It is Thursday, February 2nd, 2017, and you are listening to episode 64 of Roll Up and Die. matter either way all right but uh today is a very special day yes uh today is the date of episode 64 and i think uh recently anyone who's been listening uh, this is when i when i start a sentence and then i'm like ah no i'm gonna prequel that sentence with and then i start another one i'm like oh i'm gonna go even further back (laughs) but if you've been listening to roll up and die lately we've been experimenting a little bit with some sound effects and some kind of guitar interludes and Rejoin music and little stingers there, here and there, and stuff like that. And um, the first time we experimented, I was doing audio editing with a migraine, so the guitar's a little loud. And I, it's, I mean, that's like driving a car with only your GPS. Yeah. Like, the, yeah. Uh, and it's like in your, you're in the boonies, so you don't even have a good connection. So it thinks you're out in the field over there. It, it thinks you're in the sea. Yeah, it and you're like, you're I hope I'm not driving <laughs> through the sea. I'm not that, in That would seat. be good. I like how you say we're experimenting now, too. It sounds like, you know, we were kind of in high school before, but now we're in college, so we're experimenting, yeah. you know. Yeah, we're experimenting. We're, <laughs> away from, we're away from our parents, so we're just That's going right. hog wild. So 64 <laughs> in podcast years is like uh, 19 in human years? Yeah, That's right. about, we're right, give yeah. or take. We're, yeah. we're going on to spring break, you know. Yep. <laughs> Exactly. But basically, this is the big I think that episode 64 is the episode that when we're on episode 563, I'm being optimistic, guys. Mm-hmm. When we're on episode 563 and people are like, oh, man, where do we start listening to Roll Up and Die? I'm going to say episode 64. Episode right. 64, baby. That's the one you go back to. Everything <laughs> before it is... Garbage. Uh, it's it's the right. worst. It's the, Don't right. even bother. It's the, <laughs> it's the <laughs> Don't even look back there. It's embarrassing. It's embarrassing. It's the early Middle Ages back there. It's really yeah. it was a dark time. We were confused. You know, people are was, putting corpses in the drinking water. It's just it's horrible. <laughs> it was really tough. <laughs> They'll yeah. be playing those at our roast, you know, when yeah. there, you know, when we, there were aqueducts everywhere. We didn't know who built them. <laughs> <laughs> we use them as water slides. I don't know. <laughs> it's getting real. <laughs> but uh, but I had a question for you guys since we're kicking it off. Yeah, uh, I, I, I'm feeling a little bit nostalgic because it's episode 64 and because we've talked about 63 other things and change. And uh, and I, I this this drop in the hat question for you guys is what is one of your favorite memories, favorite parts of doing this podcast? I have I really enjoyed doing the the David Bowie Goblin episode. I don't know why, but that that stands out to me as one of my favorites to record. Is you know David Bowie had just passed away, yeah. and we sort of took the occasion to honor him and talk about goblins. And I I, mm-hmm. I don't know that was just really fun for me. It was talking about goblins. Yeah, I, I don't. For me, the first one was the most exciting because I had I hadn't done a podcast before, and it was also uh, around Halloween, so we were kind of going for a, a more creepy sort of vibe which is my thing so yeah yeah i kind of like that too right um, out of the gate right yeah. out of the gate we were doing a special episode that's, that's right. like kicking off a tv series with the christmas that's right. special it's true <laughs> that's true yeah yeah we were yeah, so hearing, young naive. hearing that first podcast uh i a good memory of that too i remember i was sitting on my couch I had my laptop out, and I think, Barker, you sent the link, and you mm-hmm. were like, hey, we're not sharing it around yet, but here's the first episode. 
and it started and it was when we had the old theme music and so it was like and i i just remember thinking that is so cool and then we started talking and uh i don't know it was just awesome i had never done a podcast yeah. before it was really it was really cool I, I i think one of my uh favorite moments was us talking with jason green in i think it was episode one or two and it was basically oh, yeah. us asking each other different words from our different cultures yes. and trying to mm. guess it. RG yeah. Bargy came out of that, and that's, that's my right. favorite inside joke of all time. Yeah, because your your guess was it's an erection when you're wearing sweatpants. <laughs> I mean, I've who hasn't I've had an, I've had RG Bargy since I was in high school. Dude, everybody, everybody, everybody knows what an RG has. Bargy is. I got one right, right now. What? <laughs> Oh, I, I I remember your guess. I always thought that was a very good guess. Uh, I think it was you, Matt. You said it was some sort of public transit, and uh, and I th- I thought yeah, that, I think that would, I did. Yeah, I thought that would be a good guess if we were talking about the Indus River Valley and not London. <laughs> Come on down <laughs> yeah. to Argy's Bargies. We'll get you across the river in no time. The title for the upcoming Star Wars film, Episode Eight, was released. Uh, oh yeah, this week. And oh, the title yes. is Ominous. The Last Jedi. Yeah. Yes. Which, when I saw it, I was like, that's perfect. Yep. Yeah. I I, I love the title. There are a lot of people out there who think I, I like everything about Star Wars, <laughs> which isn't actually accurate. It's not true, you know. But, uh, but this title, I think, is my favorite title of all the Star Wars movies mm-hmm. because the movie might as well be called Star Wars Episode Eight. Luke Skywalker. Yeah. yeah. And and to me that is just dope. Yeah. And it's a it's a play on words with the plural and the singular. Mm. It's beautiful. Well, and it it's smart too because what was everyone hungering for after the credits roll in episode seven? It was like I wanted to see more Luke. Like we just barely right. got to see him. And he looks so yeah. rad with the white robe standing on top of the mountain with the long hair and the beard and the robot hand, and you were just like, Oh my god, he's so cool. Yes. And then the credits rolled. <laughs> And we didn't get any more Luke Skywalker. And so having the movie basically be like, hey, yeah. you guys want Luke? You got Luke. Like, I just am very <laughs> <One> excited. <laughs> you know, he's he's living there with Boba Fett. You know, they have a, <laughs> you know, they got married. Yeah, I remember I remember being in the theater and the person next to us right when Star Wars Episode Seven started. The first line of the, the crawl is Luke Skywalker has vanished. And she just turned to her husband and she said, shit, we're not going to see him at all like, until the very end. And I was like, you are so right. You're so right. You're so right. She was so right. So what do you think The Last Jedi means, though? I think it, yeah, you know, it means it means a lot of different things. And a lot of people have pointed out that Jedi is, you know, the plural form of Jedi is Jedi. Right. So it could mean <clears throat> the last Jedi singular or it could mean, hey, it's the last of the Jedi. You know, like there's multiple. The title tells you basically that it's going to focus on Luke and Rey and basically Luke mm-hmm. sort of passing the torch and having to come back to a galaxy that he essentially turned his back on because he felt like he was doing more harm than good. You know, I think it'll just, it'll be really interesting to find out what was going on in between episode seven or episode six and seven, because Han and Leia didn't have a whole lot to say about what was going on, but I feel like Luke will have a lot of insight Mm -hmm. into what exactly happened with Kylo Ren and the Jedi order and all of that kind of stuff. See, here's the interesting thing though. He, He didn't disappear for no reason. Right. Yeah. You know, he, I mean, yeah, he could have just gone off because he was upset. You know, my, you know, my, my student betrayed me. Oh, 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 by the way, he's my sister's, my sister's best friend's son, you know, but the fact that he went to so much trouble to hide this map, he had the map before he left. He had to have, otherwise Mm -hmm. R2 wouldn't have it. 
So right. he knew about this specific location. So why would he go there? You know, why would he go to that particular place? There's something yeah. about it that 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 uh, is important, and maybe it's uh, you know. That I remember Hans. Uh, sorry, you remember Han mentioned? You know, he went out looking for the first Jedi temple. Exactly. Yeah. And so you'd kind of assume think, that that's yeah, it. Yeah, I think that's, that's what right. he found was the first yeah. Jedi temple, which is well, it, super awesome. <clears throat> yeah, and to kind of you know elaborate on what Matt said regarding the title. I th- I do think it's both. You know, mm. I think the the emphasis is Luke Skywalker. He is the yeah. last Jedi. Even even Snoke in episode 7 says that, you know, the the droid will be returned to the resistance leading them to the last Jedi. Yeah. Matt, this was really kind of something that you brought up like you said here mm. that it's also plural. Mm-hmm. It's also yeah. a play on words and it's almost like, well, hold on, like Maybe Ray is, you know, among the last Jedi or, or something like that. So yeah. I think it's both, and that's kind of why I think it's a really good title and kind of surprising of Disney. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. I think it's really smart, and I think that it. Um, I'm just really excited for it, man. It reminds me of like, yep. um, you know, in the the Dark Empire comic books where Luke went off to like the old like Sith planets and was studying the Sith artifacts and stuff, and mm. you know, eventually turned to the dark side. I don't think that's going to happen here, but I do think that Luke is. He's sort of afraid of what he what destruction he might bring to the galaxy because he obviously blames himself for what happened with the, you know, the the restored Jedi order. And I think that possibly he fears what he might become if he goes up against a family member, just like he had to do with Vader. And, you know, Vader had to duel his son. And Luke is like, I'm not going to duel my nephew. Like, I'm not going to have to I'm not going to try to kill my nephew. That's just not going to happen. And uh I think it'll be interesting, man. I'm I'm really excited about it. I'm super pumped. Like episode yep. seven, I loved Rogue One. I, I I liked, and episode eight, I think is going to be even better. I'm really pumped. Yeah, and you know the cool thing about it is that it will be the first Star Wars movie that will begin in the same spot that it ended. Yeah, and which to will be me, interesting. that is a cool introduction <clears throat> to mm. Star Wars Episode Eight introduction i see what you did there this is what i do and it's a segue i say the segue and then i just keep like sensually repeating it introduction (laughs) introduction introduction warning the following content may disturb you that is right (laughs) ladies and gentlemen today on roll up and die your definitive rpg podcast we are talking about introductions in your RPG. We are beginning our story arc series. Uh, so thank you very much for joining us. My name is Barker. And my name is Matt from A Fistful of Dice. And my name is Alex, a.k.a. Captain Gothnog. We're going to kick it off with some quick tips. Uh, so an introduction is a really good opportunity to establish the lore and sort of the tone of your world. And so when you're introducing uh, heroes to your world, if you're bringing this campaign setting or this this campaign rather to your table for the first time, you can use it as a uh, as a way to s- sort of establish the pillars of your world. So if you have a campaign setting where. Uh, you know, there's a uh, oppressive sort of, you know, evil regime in power. You can show, you know, uh, soldiers marching down the street, knocking people out of the way as they pass by. And that's sort of a simple way to sort of like set up and establish the tone of your world. So use it as an opportunity to, uh, in the hero's journey, we would call it the ordinary world before things get shooken up uh, by the heroes. So I think that if you can start your introduction with some excitement, you know, rather than coming in with, uh, you know, some, you know, simple sort of 
boring entrance, you can just sort of start them with action. You know, the, the start the characters right away with something exciting is going on, whether they're observing it or whether they're part of it or it's happening around them. Um, you know, get them involved immediately, get their blood pumping, and get them excited about what's about to happen. So I think that introductions would be the perfect time to take a look at film, at television shows. Uh, take a look at the strategies that uh, prominent TV shows, for instance, use uh, in their introductions. You have a lot of previously on Lost, previously on mm. Heroes, previously on Battlestar Galactica, and they, and they will sh then show you relevant information. I know we've talked about this on the podcast before, but they will show you relevant information regarding the, the episode or the game session that you're about to experience. If the middle of the game is, is dedicated to your players choosing what they want to do and, and role-playing out their characters, then really take advantage of the beginning for your narrative introductions. Uh, you don't often, as a GM, have the ability to take the spotlight away from the players without kind of railroading them in, in most ways. But at the introduction, that's kind of your, your opportunity to do that. So explore mm -hmm. narrative techniques, uh, explore you know rhyming, maybe uh, speaking in meter, and just kind of have fun with it because that is kind of your sandboxy place to play as a GM. So the first question that I want to, to, to ask you guys to kick off the conversation here is introductions. First of all, we're talking about multiple things, right? We're talking mm. about how to introduce a campaign, talking about introducing, you know, a, a game session. I think those are the two primary things, but, you know, we can let it expand out. But what are your bad experiences? Or when I ask <laughs> you to think of a stereotypically bad introduction to a game, which I think we're all thinking about the same type of game right now, automatically. <laughs> We've all played in it. Everybody's played in it. What type? Everybody's run it. God, I've run it. Uh, what what type of bad introductions have you seen? I think one of the, one of the most cliche is obviously uh, you meet in a tavern. I mean, we, we've we've talked about cliches yeah. before on the show, and and I think uh, that that's a big one. Start just starting, you know, throwing people into a tavern and saying, "Yeah, you're in a tavern. You're kind of looking for adventure. You're looking for work," and uh, you see these people sitting alone at a table. You know, describe yourselves. It works, but it's just it's kind of kind of dull, and then it's been used to death. Yeah, for sure. And, you know, and I can some of the things that you might do to spice it up is uh, if you want a tavern in your introduction is mm -hmm. I think to make it a, a tavern that's underwater or a tavern that's in the sky, a tavern that's inside the rib cage yeah. of a long dead primordial. Something like that yeah. would be kind of cool. But you're right, that basic yeah. trope for sure. You know, I've played in games before where the introduction to the game <clears throat> might be, it might sort of misrepresent the campaign if you, if, you know, you sort of know what I mean. Like uh, the intro will sort of set up a certain tone or feel of the campaign and you'll get really super pumped about, oh man, this is going to be so cool. And then as the campaign sort of goes on, it sort of gets away from that initial sort of feel. And obviously things yeah. are going to change and adapt as the campaign goes on. But I played in campaigns before where the campaign will start out and we'll all be having a really, really good time and just kind of like really digging sort of the feel of it. And then eventually it'll sort of go off the rails and it won't be that anymore. And I'll be like, you know, what, what happened to that, to that, original yeah. campaign that we were playing, you know? And so I think that, you know, taking the opportunity to use the introduction as a way to mm. 
really sort of establish the the tone that you're going for and sort of trying to be as co- co- cohesive and consistent as possible i think is uh is is better than the opposite of that which is to set up something and then you know episode two of the tv show is completely different from episode one you know what i mean <laughs> yeah i think you know i have experience yeah. with a, a player introducing if we're talking introductions even in a broader sense introducing their character they had a similar problem Matt it's interesting you brought it up every time they would make a new character it would be like a really cool idea like a really fun interesting idea but by session three it would be I always think of games in terms of episodes but by (laughs) session three you have a free-running parkouring rapier-wielding every single time works for me is it it gonna have any sort of like Stinger Actually, or like sound effect or anything the, like that. Yeah, stinger. so I'll probably not Time say let's start with tips. Matt. Time for some quick Whoa. tips. <laughs> Y'all we ask should... for some quick tips. <laughs> we should <laughs> need some tips. I'm sorry. You want some quick tips, Megan? <laughs> <laughs> the thing I was going to bring up for my kind of bad game, bad introduction mm. example, I think is I, I, I just and it's not necessarily bad, but I think. There's a really good alternative to having none of the characters know each other at the beginning. Mm-hmm. Uh, too many, a lot of games have you know the the characters and players really feel their way out of introducing themselves to each other before the action starts, and mm-hmm. I feel like that's a waste of an hour and a half when you could just start all of the characters aboard the same sinking ship or the same yeah. crashing plane. Yeah. Or, uh, but very specifically, I think one <laughs> thing that's underused is the characters knowing each other before the game starts. Mm-hmm. Yeah. As in having some, if you as a GM say, hey, listen, we're going we're gonna to kick this game off um, uh, in a surprising way, and I need to know how you guys know each other. Come up with a way. And, and yeah. just have them, so you can bypass all that stuff. so they can they can role play knowing each other and instead of having to role play getting to know each other yeah because yeah. one is more exciting than the other one game I that love... does that really well is uh is fate yeah uh, fate, fate oh, kind of yeah, has, a, has right. a, they have a sort of a built-in system for that when you're creating your aspects a lot of times it involves you know how how you're related to these other people but even if you're not playing fate you can kind of look to that and say oh i, I can kind of use that same structure to tie the characters in this D and D game or this traveler game mm-hmm. or whatever kind of game you're playing, and 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 you know sort of use that structure to build those relationships, like you said, before you come in, and it's a lot easier for the GM too because then you don't have to worry about you know kind of contriving reasons why they're all here to take on this new adventure. Yeah, true. Yeah, I love sort of establishing connections <clears throat> with characters before the game starts, and I think mm. that. You know, it's it's easy enough to say, oh, well, we served in the army together or we, you know, we're 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 literal brothers or, you know, whatever. But don't necessarily make it. We know each other, but establish connections between the characters that can be discovered and sort of uh, elaborated on later. Like mm-hmm. uh, I knew your father or uh, I passed through your village years and years ago before it was destroyed or yeah. I'm carrying a a ring that has your family crest on it. You know, just like yeah, they don't right. necessarily, they aren't necessarily familiar with each other, but they do have these established connections that then you as a game master can be like, Oh, this gives me a lot of fodder to be able to use. Yeah. A lot of players like to play really interesting characters. When mm-hmm. you com- when you get to know, when you get the characters to get to know each other, 
they automatically become more interesting when one character knows of another character's name because of the city that they grew up in and stuff. The, yeah. the characters automatically become interesting without becoming quote-unquote special snowflakes, that sort of character. Yeah. So if that's yeah. something that you know interests you, you might be able to kind of nip that in the bud right away. Yeah, I uh, I played in a Pathfinder game a while ago where we sort of established those connections uh, before we started the campaign. And one of the players in the party, we we randomly rolled all of this, all these kind of connections because uh, uh, Pathfinder has a book. I can't remember what it's called. I think it's the I think it's the campaign guide or maybe it's the game mastery guide. But anyway, there's a bunch of roll tables where you can establish sort of connections and randomly roll a bunch of stuff uh, for your character when you start out. And one of the characters in the party had essentially sold me up the river and I had served jail time because of them. And there was sort of this like this sort of seething resentment between us for the entire campaign, like just three or four sessions. I I would always make side remarks and stuff. And, you know, well, hey, at least you didn't serve five years in prison or whatever. And eventually it like came to a head. We were like in the middle of a dungeon and it broke like a fist fight broke out. And I was (laughs) I finally just like let I was just like, I can't believe you were my friend and you let me go to jail. You didn't even try to break me out. You didn't come visit me. And I was punching him, you know, just like. On top of him, pummeling him. And uh, it was kind of cool because after we did that, our characters sort of had this bond where we Mm -hmm. sort of, you know, we moved on and he was able to sort of be like, I'm sorry. Like, I, you know, I I, not a day goes by that I don't feel guilty about that. And Mm -hmm. I was like, it's okay, You know, I would I would have served time for you and I know you would have served time for me. And then we were (laughs) like best friends after that. And It was cool because it was like this. This we rolled it randomly on a roll table, you know, and it became one of the coolest things between our characters. And you did that, you know, the role play didn't the excuse me, the role table didn't do that the roll table yeah. get, drew you a circle and you turned that circle into something bigger than that and something right. more more That's beautiful right. exactly yeah now on the contrary to that previous question though what is an example of a good intro in your intro a good intro <laughs> in your experience role playing if you can't think of one role playing you can go with a movie if you want but but if you can specifically an rpg that you think uh killed it I, I'm gonna go first so that you can't steal it, Barker. I'm gonna say the uh, the first session of our of the campaign that Tim Carney from Tabletop Terrors is running in okay, his cool. setting of Dragon Grin. We started the game crucified, like Conan mm-hmm. the Barbarian style, yeah. just like on yeah. a hill, you know, being being strapped to these big beams and left out in the in the in the elements to die. Straight and up, perfect. Yeah, and it was amazing because it was like we were level one and it, the set, it, it, there was no preamble. It was just like you're being crucified. And it was like, oh, my God. And yep. It's like, you know, just like how do you get out of the situation? And I, I ended up uh, mage handing one of the guards that was crucifying us. I mage handed his dagger out of his hand and got it in my hand and was able to cut myself free. And we ended up escaping. Oh, but it was I one dislocated of my shoulder and bashed yeah, a dude in the face yeah, with the, the just, beam. Yeah, man, it was brutal. <laughs> and it was like, if, if meeting in a tavern is the least exciting thing, then starting your players off crucified, <laughs> <strapped to be laughs> crucified is the best way to do it. Yeah, that is. Yeah. I'm happy you brought that up, Matt. Uh, but I did have a backup if you chose Tim's. <laughs> <laughs> and my backup, uh, it's it's tied for two. Uh, the first one is going to be the Cthulhu game that Alex ran for us. I liked oh, the yeah. starting in the crashed <laughs> plane. Yeah. As it's like sliding down the hill and we got to escape and there's just luggage everywhere. And 
I remember like just role playing just a douche and loving it. It was just, (laughs) you know, I really got to get in my method role playing. That was a great character. Yeah, that was that was a lot of fun. Uh, But but the other one also was Michael Shams. Oh my gosh. I always forget it's 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 not chaos what? on the silver oh, dragon. Uh, fiasco on the silver dragon. Fiasco Express. on the silver dragon. I loved that introduction. If you go and you find Fiasco on the Silver Dragon Express, mm-hmm. the introduction is Mike Lasham playing some beautiful acoustic guitar music and describing a beautiful seductress. Like kind of like and then and then you realize at the end of the monologue that he's describing the train, and, but yeah, he's describing yeah. it in terms like curvature and, <clears throat> um, you know, just like things that that could also be personified as human mm-hmm. descriptions. Yeah. And it was when that realization happened, I was I was sold. I didn't care for the rest of the game. I threw like <laughs> nine thousand Molotov cocktails, like the D and D equivalent was an alchemist fire, and I got I did a total of like three damage, nine to myself total. I mean, I I was a bogus character. I was nonsense. I was garbage. But that intro made the whole thing worth it. Yeah, that was amazing. <clears throat> I remember one of the standout things was when he described, you know, she she blows a ring of smoke, you know, when it wreathes around, yes. you know, and it was like, it was like, Oh my God. Like it, you just, you had this image in your head of just this like film noir, like woman coming in with like a cigarette on the end of like a cigarette. Like Jessica holder. rabbit. Yeah. Type of character. And yeah. then it was like, event, like halfway through, we all kind of went, Oh, it's the train. Like oh, it was just, Oh man, damn. it was so good. It was so good. Probably my favorite was, uh, well, I, I was, I was, I was going to use the uh, Cthulhu one, but Instead, I'll, I'll talk about. Uh, I had a GM. Ha, ha, ha. Who, yeah, you I were going right? to use your own game. I know, right? Um, <laughs> no, so no, no. So the, the, I, I had this GM who did a really great introduction, and but the way he did it was he described first sort of uh, this this overview of the world, what's going on. You know, there's a there's a there's a there's a great war uh, happening, and and all these things are happening around us. And then he t- starts talking about things that are closer to us. You know. Uh, entire villages have been slaughtered and burned and then he gets into the description of how our our uh, our city has been just been uh, attacked and raised so you know it's it's been destroyed and and because of what he what we told him about our characters he goes on to describe you know what happened to each of our characters families and then we end up in this one place together but by the time we got there we were so invested in what was going on we 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 you know we felt you know, we were all in the same place. We had all had this massive loss. Um, our city was was gone, and it was just us who had now been called as as some of the last you know people who could do anything to help. And and it was just you know we were all just and you know wrapped by this uh, this description that that kind of just pulled us in further and further and further until we were at that point. And right. I thought that was really well really well done. That's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. One thing you said in your quick tip, Alex, was um, start with action. Yeah. And I, I actually, I think that uh, uh, that's a really good idea for a similar reason, because it pulls you in. Mm-hmm. Uh, a lot of yeah. people have this idea that at the start of the campaign or at the start of the session, you know, you're that's for travel and narrative and role play. And then the middle is the combat encounter, or maybe the <clears> middle <throat> end, and then you end with some role play. And I really think you should invert that. Um, you mm-hmm. should kick it off in media res 
yeah. blast off with some sort of action or interesting question, even if it's not a combat scene, some sort of intriguing flashback or scene or something right. like that. And then in the middle, turn it over to your players to do whatever they want. They want to yep. fight combat, you know, let them do it. But take that intro and, like you said, pull them in. Do everything you can to pull them in because for the next three to four hours, sometimes six to eight hours or more, that intro is what's going to keep them mm -hmm. at the table instead of on their cell phones, I think. If you look at it, that's pretty much how every James Bond movie starts. You know, it starts with this massive action piece. Yeah. And then, and then they cut to the titles, you know, you know, and then they have yes. the, the music and the credits and all that. And then, and then they, they go to someplace else entirely. Yep. So I, I love that sort of intro. Well, and yeah, if you're looking I, for a way to like build camaraderie in a party that is just starting out, what better way than to have them <laughs> essentially save each other's lives right. in some sort of action sequence, you know, like it's a really easy way for them to be like, you know, you don't have to come up with a reason for them to join up together because it's like, okay, you guys need to fight together or die, you know, like yep. it just this is the situation. Yep. I want to give you uh I, I want I want to test out an intro on you guys. I want to see if you like it. Sure. Okay. Cuz I'm currently preparing to run a game and uh and I and I had an idea for an intro that I think really showcases the usefulness of the introduction and uh how you can maybe make it unique. So here goes. You see nothing. Just blackness. Pinpoints of stars in the background. For a long moment, nothing changes. And then boom, there you see it. Bright, gold, and bold. Letters spelling out the words, Star Wars, slowly flying away from the camera. And then you continue reading the Star Wars crawl mm -hmm. as the introduction. And I wanted to hmm. see what you guys thought of that as a potential <clears throat> intro for a Star Wars game. So I will I say like that it. when you said that, I, my face broke into a big grin, so I will say that it was very effective on me because Good. as soon as I realized what you were doing, I was just like, oh, cool. I just well, couldn't think of a better intro. Like what, be I mean, we we're talking yeah. about Star Wars earlier that what, what a great iconic intro. Yeah. Well, and that's why it works because everyone knows the Star Wars crawl. They had, dun, yeah, dun, yeah. And the, you have the big Star Wars, you know, like I said, moving away from you and then, then the crawl and all that. It's, it's so iconic that almost everyone is going to know what it is right off the bat. And especially like a Star Wars game, I imagine, at, you know, you're done reading the crawl. Maybe you're even describing the musical score, like you said, Alex. You know, you hear the music of John Williams, you know, blaring in the background yeah, in IMAX speakers. Right. Maybe that's a little too real. But, but then, you know, the, the camera pans, and then what do you see? Are we going to have, you know, uh, a, a Republic vessel like in episode one, or are we going to have a... Uh, an imperial probe droid like in the empire strikes yep. back or are we going to find ourselves in the middle of a galactic battle like in star wars right. episode three you know there are a ton of different options <laughs> what what could we how could we take inspiration from a star wars intro and put it in a regular D, &D game or other sci-fi game or horror what can you take from star wars to put in your game hmm. Well, I don't think it necessarily has to be from Star Wars, but have but creating your own sort of introduction. Uh, what's what I'm looking for? Style, I guess, because it, that has mm -hmm. a unique style, and it really works for a Star Wars game, obviously, because it's Star Wars. It's but, fitting, yeah. Um, but I, I was also thinking of one of the things that uh, I don't know if you guys both saw um, uh, the Legend of Korra. 
the Avatar yes. Korra th- uh, series. And the uh, every time they would do the uh, previously on oh, Avatar man, Korra, so yeah, well, they, they had this like 1920s announcer. Uh, last time we were here, Korra was trapped in a box with a rabid beast, you know, whatever, you know, it, it, it was, it was in that perfect 19 sort of twenties announcer voice. Yeah. You know, and it, and it felt like you were like watching like a serial and like an old movie theater right, or something. Right, right, right. Was, there, there was even a, it even had a uh, projector sound every time it went. That's right. Would, yeah. You and, would and, hear and, the, you would hear it spool up and the record would be, yep. or the film would be clacking along in the background. That's right. And the images were, you know, they, they had that sort of black and white movie or as more of a sepia tone sort of movie uh, uh, look to them and all that. It was just it was really well done. And, and and it was unique. It got you it got you immediately into the feel of the world. And so uh, I think if you can come up with your own way of doing that, um, you know, it doesn't have to be a Star Wars crawl. It doesn't have to be that, but it can be something unique and use it every time, because yeah. what, what you're doing is essentially you're creating an anchor. Um, you're creating an anchor for your players that the minute you start talking like that, the minute you start that particular style of introduction, they know that it's time to, you know, get down to business and start playing. Exactly. And I think the consistency is what's important. There. Yeah. I, I, you yeah. know, it, it's almost like, gosh, it's, this sounds so, <clears throat> I don't know. It's, it sounds peculiar when you say it, but it's almost like training, you know, it's like, mm-hmm. listen, no, when, when my players come over to my house it's fun, you know. We're eating pizza. We're, uh, you know, talk just talking about fantasy football and just like talking about stupid things. But when it's time to play, uh, that's when I'll stand up and everyone's sitting at the table, and I will say previously on whichever campaign we're doing. Yeah. And at that moment, you know, I'll, oftentimes there's still kind of a little bit of chatter. And if it's you know something important, I'll wait. But but you know, usually it's very okay. Well, all right, let's do this. And and everyone kind of slips into it. So. The consistency, especially if it's a Star Wars game, if you start every game with a cool little crawl or a cool little introduction <laughs> like that. But like you said, Alex, even if it's not Star Wars, find something that works for you and your group yeah. and just keep doing it. Yeah. Another good example, uh, we just started watching on Netflix uh, a series of unfortunate events. Yes. Uh, Lemony Snicket's. Yeah. And they have uh, th- this guy playing Lemony Snicket, and he does the introduction of each one and, and he, he, you know, he's you know talking about, you know, you really shouldn't watch this. It's depressing. You know, I, I don't even want to be here and you should just turn off, turn off your television and walk away from it right now. Yeah. <laughs> don't stop watching. Mm-hmm. And, but, but, and, but he, but then he goes into describing what's about to happen and, and that sort of thing. And, and, you know, you could do something like that too, or Rod Serling in, in the twilight zone, you know, uh, that's another type of introduction you can do. Just this, this, uh, this sort of someone outside looking in, you know, that's a really uh, good uh, idea, you know, concept. So, but really, it really depends on on the feel of your game. In a in a Call of Cthulhu game, you know, uh, having that sort of Rod Serling, you know, intro would be could be quite appropriate. Yeah, um, but true. it may not work for a D anD D game. So you have true. to kind of find what's going to work for your style. One of the things that I like to do is I like to 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 speak the the previously section. <clears throat> I like to 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 say it in a voice of an NPC that's in the the game. Yeah. Um specifically I try to like if I know that they're going to talk to the the players are going to talk to a certain NPC uh in in this session that I will read the pre- I, I will give the accent while I am reading the previously, you know, that sort of thing. And then when they meet that NPC during that session, I always imagine, I don't know if this is the case now, but I always imagine it's almost like that moment when you're reading a book and you figure out why the title is what it is. Yeah. And then 
in the middle of, you know, at the beginning of a session, I can throw out a new accent, brand new Mm. accent. And then that session, maybe they'll meet that NPC and be like, oh, this is the guy. So, yeah, yeah. it's sort of it it gives a little hint as to what you're in for without giving a bunch away. So I, I always enjoy those. Another good example might be the one doing the introduction is always the same old guy at a bar or something like that, or a tavern. And he's telling the story like he was there or he knows someone who's there, that kind of thing. And maybe you, don't, maybe you never find out who he is, you know. Mm-hmm. It wasn't necessarily one of the, the main characters, but maybe he was, you know, the bartender at the tavern they always went to or someone who helped them once in a while or whatever. But, you know, and, you know, you always have this old guy that's like, oh, that was when they went to, to the mountain mm-hmm. to find the dragon. I never thought I'd see them again, but they were determined I warned them twice to to not go there, and and the, you just go into this whole dis, you yeah. know description of what happened in the last episode, and uh, and then you cut to the cut to the game. Yeah, I I tried something a little similar with that with uh, mm-hmm. my current provokers campaign, where uh, the sessions would start out with um, a recap that was a letter that was being written by one of the NPCs oh, to nice. yeah. another NPC, and he was basically describing what had happened, and then it sort of fell by the wayside during the third session because that NPC wasn't present for anything that had happened and there was no Mm -hmm. possible way that he could have known. So I didn't do it for that session, but I'm going to try and figure out a way to sort (laughs) of work it back into that, you know, sort of maybe thinking about, well, maybe they go and tell him about it eventually or something like that, you know, but it's like I couldn't rightly say, well, I've been watching the whole thing through a magic telescope, you know, or something like that. (laughs) It just didn't make sense. So. Speaking of NPCs writing each other letters and doing intros and voices of NPCs, I, this is going to be really telling. And a lot of people are going to make fun of me based on the number of movies and TV shows that I have not seen. <laughs> and here I am about to talk about the TV show that I have seen that I'm about to reference called Gossip Girl. <laughs> and Heather watches it sometimes when it's on the TV. Uh-huh. But I got to tell you this thing. You don't need to go out and watch it. You buy all me. You, you shouldn't do that. You should oh, not watch it ever. Oh, I won't. Never watch oh, it. Oh, I won't. Good. But one thing that's interesting is the narrator is a voice of a character that is not in the main show. Mm-hmm. And the narrator is this blog writer who's posting all the gossip about all the characters, right? It's making all the drama. And oh, man, that's why we watch the show. But yeah. you don't know who that person is and you don't know how they know all these things. Obviously, it's just a TV thing. They just yeah. you know, made it. But it adds this element of mystery. If you begin narrating the intro to your game in the voice of someone who maybe calls herself the Piper and she mm-hmm. will, oh, you know, yeah. you know, and, and you don't know who she is really until session three when you find a note from her, you know, that's, you know, and then all of a sudden mm-hmm. you, maybe the intro, she begins referencing the note that she sent and the characters found it, kind of like you were giving an example of Alex, but it, there's this air of mystery around it because they, yeah. they still haven't seen her. They don't know who she is. Yeah. I like that. That's cool. And then that, that, I mean, that's a tool that you can pull out of your toolbox at any point is like, now you're actually going to meet this character. You know, it's like maybe <laughs> do the, do the recaps in the voice of a famous bard from your world that your characters right. may never meet. But the reason why he knows the stories is because he's alive a century later and he knows all about their adventures because they've gone down in history as legends, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so do you guys want to take some questions from the listeners? I, I think we should always do. So we have time for a few questions here, and I think that's perfect because the top uh, three ha- each have five likes, and oh, so that's nice. actually three perfect. Three-way tie. 
We do. We do three-way tie. Uh, so every single time that we decide to put up one of these fangled episodes, we post up a kind of an interest post on our Facebook page at facebook.com slash rollupanddie. And this informs you of what we're talking about. And you can ask your questions there. The question with the most likes gets answered. And sometimes, like in today's case, we'll answer a few of them. So the first question is from Dwayne W., a quite the regular on our comments. Uh, you can actually find him a lot of times helping people by answering their questions in the comments. So thanks for tuning in, Dwayne, and thanks for writing. Narrative structure. Now you're talking my language. In your eyes, how important is pla- how important is planning of events in the world that the characters will encounter? Obviously, this changes depending on the type of adventure, as a mystery needs to be laid out differently than a heist. But do you think it's important to always have a goal ahead, even if it's malleable, or can a story be just as compelling without such planning? What sort of planning do you guys put into your introductions? I think, for me, it varies a lot. Sometimes I won't have any plan, and I'll just kind of improv it. Other times, I'll... uh, I I just ran a uh, Adventures in Middle-Earth game uh, where I actually wrote out uh, like three or four paragraphs um, because I felt that, you know, sort of a Tolkien-esque approach to it where, you know, I'm giving lots of exposition and describing things was more fitting for that style of game. But I think for me, I mean, this is, you could answer any question when our, with RPGs like this, but it depends on the group and it depends on the game that I'm running. <laughs> but yeah. I like to have, most of the time, I like to have something, <clears throat> even if it's a couple bullet points of stuff I want to mention to be able to set things up, because I always want to start a game off strong. I never want it to just kind of fizzle right at the start, you know? Yeah, for sure. That that makes a lot of sense. Now, how many bullet points would you say you, I don't know, put down in your, in your, in My, your prep? My go-to for any, if I'm bullet pointing anything, is I do three. If I do more than that, it's too much to look at on the sheet. And if I do less than that, it's sometimes not enough for me to get a, okay. a clear picture. So I usually go with three three bullet points. Okay, cool. It's interesting that, that you mentioned planning because just recently I ran my first official 100% improv game. And by official, I mean not just, you know, randomly inside of a Google Hangout with five other people three years ago. <laughs> but this game is currently in the works. It's called Barkerstat, and I'm not going to go into the game. But uh, the notes kind of did something similar to you, Matt. Uh, my planning, it, it has three categories. The first one is possible inspiration. The second one is obstacles. And the third one is twists. Uh, so in mm-hmm. obstacles, I have things like jumping over a crevasse, encountering a wild animal, Uh, Or I have, you know, give the player an option to name their own obstacle. Under twists, you know, which character is a figment of your imagination? Roll a D4. That character betrays the group. Possible inspiration. Uh, You find a book on the table. What's it called? You know, those sort of Mm -hmm. questions of planning show you in a way what the players want to do because the players will answer you via the character's actions. So if you pose these sorts of questions like, hey, what sort of obstacle do you think you'd find right at Mm. the beginning of this session, right in the midst of this, you know, uh, market cart collision? You know, what sort of obstacles would you have to deal with after that? If you ask the players that, one, that's not something you're ever going to have to prep, so you're not going to have to spend any time on it. But two, when you hear their answer, it's going to lead you to another question. 
And that's how an entire campaign can be laid out in that way where it's not at all railroaded, uh, but 100 percent based on the actions of the characters. Now, now one thing that Dwayne asked and I'll, I'll turn over I'll turn this over to Alex. But uh, but one thing he asked also is, do you think it's always important to have a goal ahead? And I, I think mm. that that answer changes for everyone. But I, I think yeah. for me, yes, especially if it's a malleable. You should always yeah. have an idea of where the campaign is going to end. And by the time the campaign ends, that idea should have changed 20 times. Yeah. yeah. I, I think it's important for <clears throat> the characters to have a goal. Like as a GM, mm. I, try, I try not to have a personal goal. Like I mm-hmm. want, I, this is what I want to happen. Like, but, I, but if I have characters in the game, you know, whether they're villains or allies or, you know, the powers that be, I, I want them to have plans and I want them to be you know, going through the actions to fulfill them. And, you know, they only change when the, when the characters decide to interact with them. So from the, from the, from the beginning, there are those plans that are set into motion from, from episode one. And yeah. at that point, yeah, that like you're saying, they're malleable. They're going to change, you know, 50 times in response, hopefully to what the, you know, the player characters are doing. Right. Yeah. I think it's interesting because, you know, if you're talking about a session one, I think that, you're, you know, a session one, kind of an introduction to the campaign mm-hmm. should be a microcosm of the campaign itself. Yeah. You should have a goal. You should kind of know where it's going to end. <clears throat> maybe it's even a little bit slightly more railroaded than other sessions. Maybe. It depends on your style and your group style. But yeah, once you get to the end of that, then you really should have an idea of where the players are going to take the game. Really try to get a read on where they're going to carry the game because that's where your focus should be. But it's interesting how important the intro is in all of this because this is when all that thinking begins. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, the intro is a good... I mean, your players are going to fixate on whatever they're going to fixate on, but the intro is a good opportunity for you to put lots of different hooks in front of them for them to sort of remember yeah. and focus on. For sure. Well, well, like a lot of gyms have said, I think it's... It, that's really the only time that I, you know, that they feel comfortable and I feel comfortable doing a kind of a hard railroad because then yeah. you're, you're kind of setting up things and, and then going yeah. off. After that, I, I, I don't, I don't like to railroad anymore, you know, that much at all. So, um, yeah, you know, I, the, I think the, 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 the intro is, ahead. is your really your only opportunity. And I think Matt was kind of implying this a bit too. This is your intro in your real opportunity to, to, to get your campaign going roughly in the direction you want to go. Yeah, yeah, aim that yeah. slingshot when yeah. you you don't know where the stone's going to fly when you release, but right. aim it, you know? Yeah. yeah, you can aim it in the direction you're wanting it to go, and it's sure. <laughs> it's definitely going to waver. Yeah. But. <laughs> one thing, and we want to answer multiple questions, but, but one thing I'll say is be careful with your plan because mm-hmm. you might be like, you know what, I want to run a sandboxy campaign, but I'm going to provide one mission for the characters at the beginning just to set them off or, or multiple choices. So, so you can go to, you know, save the village from uh, this kind of local vampire, or you can go to stop the evil warlord from taking over the entire world. Mm-hmm. Uh, they're going to go stop the evil warlord from taking over the entire world every single time, and they will not stop until they solve that problem nine times right. out of ten. Right. So in a way, the introduction, you kind of have to be careful because you might accidentally railroad the players just by giving them a quest. Mm-hmm. Yep. So the next question is written by an Aaron B. who asks, 
How do you incorporate the rising action part of a session or campaign when the characters have other things on their minds? You can't just halt the action because the big bad guy is going to be making progress when your players aren't. Uh, now, first off, this is not the rising action episode, but I think we should give this a, an answer. Yeah, because I it think will so. yeah, kind of. Our next one should be exposition, but the rising action is kind of the Matt. You go ahead and explain this a little more, but that's where the tension increases, right? Yeah, that's where that's where the conflict is really sort of <clears throat> is established, and the play or that the, the characters are sort of moving towards whatever destination is going to be the climax. And so the rising yeah. action is, you know, it's it's conflict, it's action set pieces, it's chases, escapes, monsters. It's you know, it's all the kind of cool stuff that happens in your favorite stories. That's the rising yeah. action. And then the climax is the peak of that. And then the falling action is the it's the exhale, right? It's the yeah. all of that mm-hmm. coming to a head and, and, and ending. Yeah. But I think to answer your question, Aaron, you know, how do you incorporate the rising action part of a session is, is view it like a like a Jenga tower where, you know, every once in a while, the villain in the story is going to pull a block out of that Jenga tower. And yeah. the characters are out off, you know. Uh, hunting goblins and and raiding dungeons, but every once in a while, the big bad's going to pull a block out. And then eventually, that that tower's going to fall, and you hit the players where it hurts. Uh, Who's their Mm -hmm. favorite NPC? Where's their favorite village? The entire village gets sacked. Now Now it's at their doorstep. If you really need to refocus the game then you can absolutely use those tools mm-hmm. to kind of tip the scale a little bit. But uh, I mean, and I think that how often you do that in the grand scheme of things uh, kind of judges how you DM, uh, sandboxy style versus more of a, a kind of a strict pathway. Right. Yeah. And to pull it back to introduction just a bit, I think um, you can sort of begin to set that up even in the introduction through foreshadowing. And, um, oh, yeah, sort of, sort mm-hmm. of, you know, if you have an idea where that's going to come, you know, start laying that groundwork early on, like even, even like I said, in the introduction itself, in that introductory episode, in that introductory, uh, session, uh, you know, uh, have people talking about things, have, you know, news coming in from someplace, you know, have, um, a crazy old man talking about, you know, what happened to his cousin and, and, you know, it may sound just like a crazy old man babbling, but maybe there's some little truth of, you know, nugget of truth. I like in, the in news idea though. The news <clears throat> idea is really cool. Like yeah. a news feed, almost like the beginning of the, the recent Harry Potter movie. Did nope, you want to flesh okay. that out? Like what's an example of how you did that oh, boy, or how you uh, could do that? Like in a, I mean, you don't want to just describe <laughs> there's news articles appearing in front of your face <laughs> and one's talking about the bad guy. It's like, you know, <laughs> What's a cool way to describe something like that without kind of just totally? Well, I think one of the best ways is just to overhear you. You overhear people talking. Um, you know, whether you're in a town square, whether you're in a tavern, whether you're in a shop. You know, maybe you may you know maybe the characters go to a shop to to buy something, completely unrelated to you know what's going on. But maybe you know this soldier come this uh, uh, this soldier comes in. And and he's he's pretty beat up and and he, he's looking for a new some new bowstrings maybe something that simple, and and he's talking to the shop owner who he knows about mm-hmm. you know what happened in this battle you know uh, we, yep. they they were expecting us they 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 saw us coming we lost you know a third of our company on that hill yeah, yeah. And, and you know talking about those sort of things so you know uh, uh, you know well, where 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 was this I you know we hadn't heard about this. 
it was only 30 miles away, you know? So, you mm-hmm. know, now you're starting, now they, they can feel the sort of tension now that this, um, that there's something approaching, you know, maybe, maybe the next yeah. time they hear someone talking about it, it's 20 miles away and then 15 miles yeah. away, you know, and, 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 you know, but you don't make a big deal of it when you say it. No, no. It's just but, someone, but, oh, hey, can I have a pint of whiskey? Hey, you heard about the horde on the Western, you know, frontier, right? Now they'll be here within a month, I swear it. You know, like just, right, just like right. a, a comment and then yeah. nothing else. Yeah, just add, throw it into the dialogue and make it make it almost seem like a throwaway line. Yeah, but uh, these write it down. clues that they can pick up. Oh yeah, yeah, definitely write it down. <laughs> That's like well, uh, you've, you've said before, Barker. <laughs> like put put fifteen Chekhov's guns behind the bar, you know, and it, you you can yep. you can set the ones off that you want to, you know. Yeah. For sure, I, I think that's uh, I think that's critical to to giving your players kind of the, the choice. Uh, one thing I will say, and I'm going to give this advice at some point po- point later, is yeah, take a piece of paper, write down ten things mm-hmm. that are happening, and you'll throw those. Those are the things that you're going to throw yeah. use throwaway lines for, like Alex's you know input or advice. Yeah. Um, then I want you to get a day planner, a monthly planner, so you have twelve months in there, and each day has its own square. And I want you to go through that list of 10 things that you wrote down and ask yourself, what is the process of that thing happening? So if, if, mm. if, if a horde of Mongols are invading the world, then, well, the Mongols are going to take Kiev, and then the Mongols are going to move uh, west and into Poland, and then the Mongols are going to move. And then you just keep yep. – what the, and then you go into your calendar and you write down the dates that the <clears throat> Mongols will do that. Uh, yeah. And then you go down the list of other nine things and you do the same thing and record those events that will happen in this calendar. And then you go to the beginning of the calendar and you mark down the day and that's what day it is for the characters. So if they can do whatever they want, but when it gets to, I don't know, July 4th, Genghis Khan's coming to town, baby, whether the characters <laughs> like it or not, because they haven't done anything about the problem. And now we're on the day where I've already decided that's going to happen. That's yeah. right. So the next question comes from a Ben B. How would you handle different perspective cutscenes in a campaign? For example, the big bad guy paying a hitman to come after the players. Oh my gosh, Matt, you did this exact thing yeah, that he's describing. I, I did. I did. <laughs> yep, I had a uh, the big villain in the first Provokers campaign, the Corrupter. He found uh, an arrow, one of uh, uh, Erdon's arrows, and he snaps it in his hand and he looks over at this uh at one of his henchmen and says you're gonna go you're gonna find whoever shot this arrow you're gonna find this elf you're gonna kill him and and his friends and you're gonna come back and tell me you did it and uh i did that it was a cut scene it happened at the beginning of a session and i had that whole scene and i described it and i described the the conversation that they had and then it immediately cut to the characters and they were just kind of hanging out uh, in a pub somewhere, you know, in between adventures, <laughs> unbeknownst that one of the yeah. most powerful evils in the land just put out a hit on them, essentially. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it was like it was like a, a, a Vader scene or a Grand Moff Tarkin scene cutting yeah. to the rebels, you know, yeah, something like, like that. Yeah, Vader just went, I hope so, Commander, for your sake. sake. The Emperor is not <laughs> as forgiving as I am. Yeah. And it just cuts to R2 and C-3PO just walking around Tatooine. Uh, what do you guys think we should uh, make an idea you can steal for the people? Yeah, sure. what are we going to make? Well, I was thinking we were going to make a, uh, a cool way to introduce a game. I'm, I'm down with that. <laughs> because that's the subject. That's what we're talking about today. Uh, all right, here's the uh, the catchy little uh, cutscene music for you before the idea you can steal. 
Come one, come all. Let's build ourselves an idea you can steal. All right, so I am going to roll my D6, D12, which I always have a tendency to lose right at the last <clears throat> second. Are you kidding me? Are you, ki- are you kidding me right now? Do you not have it? <laughs> oh, my. No. What? Oh, no. Okay, hold on, hold on, hold on. I, I, it was just here. I'm okay. All right, I'm furious. I swear it was right here. Hold on one second. I'm getting. Okay, it's on the floor. I found it. I found it. I found it. Let the, let the show continue. <laughs> Good job, Parker. I'm proud of you, buddy. Thanks, man. So I'm gonna be one Whoa. to two. <laughs> <laughs> this is the roll up and die circuit. Uh, I knocked over a can. It was so much louder than I was anticipating. I saw it knocking over, and I was like, it's not going to be that loud. And then it went, pong, pong. <laughs> the police are going to be at your door in five minutes. Yeah, they're like, Sir, hey. can you keep it down? Uh, but uh, I'm going to go ahead and roll this die. I'm going to be one All to right. two. Matt, you're three to four. Alex, you are five and six. All right. Okay, so I one of my favorite intros to uh, uh, movies has to do with Quentin Tarantino. Uh, he likes to do this mm. thing where the intro ends, uh, or excuse me, the intro is actually the ending, and then he rewinds it, and then you go back and build up to that point. And so I would like us to create an intro that is foreshadowing enough to show you the ending without being too railroady to uh, not allow for any sort of changes the players might make in their decisions. Next up is Alex. That's a four. Damn it, of course it is. Okay. <clears throat> you know what? The people don't need to know. I mean, yeah, I if Matt's ready, he can go first. No, no, that's fine. I, I like to keep the integrity and roll up and die, though, if I'm honest. <laughs> what The way I would do it is is sort of with a series of flashlight visions, you know, kind of like someone... Uh, who's going through some sort of uh, some sort of trauma, and they're and they're having mm-hmm. the, these these uh, these visions of the future, and so they they see you know a red gem, they see uh, someone touching it and, and catching fire, they see um, uh, this mountain this mountain with a cloud of ash hanging over it, they see you know the all these series of 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 item, you know these series of images surrounding it, and uh, and maybe they see. Uh, you know, some someone that they know who's close to them, dead in their arms. You know, so they hear this voice laughing in the background. Keep it, keep it. Uh, you know, specific enough where 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 you know it's going to relate to where they're going to have to go. Uh, mm-hmm. eventually, if you know, assuming they 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 take your your bait, but um, but vague but enough also keep where it pro- prophetic enough, vague enough yeah. to where yeah, right where they where they can change things and For and sure. and. And that way, they they feel good at the end if if it doesn't happen because they changed history, and if it happens, they're really impressed because you saw it. Because you so did it, it. It's it's, it's kind of win win, right? Yeah. Yeah, that reminds me of like uh, uh, Tony Stark has that vision in uh, I think it was Age of Ultron, oh, Age where of Ultron, he saw yeah. yeah, we saw all the all the heroes dead or whatever. Yeah, and yeah, yeah. It was one of the big reasons why he sort of went off the deep end is because he didn't want anyone all of his friends to end up getting killed. Right. So. But it was like yeah. it, it was a really cool, simple vision that led to some pretty neat sort of repercussions. Mm-hmm. Exactly. You know, there's a uh, an episode of Vikings, not to uh, uh, give any spoilers, but there's an episode where someone goes to the seer to see, you know, mm-hmm. if uh, 
the to, just to figure out what the future is. And the seer gives a prophecy. Uh, and I, I, I don't want to spoil it, but gives the person a prophecy that is very vague. But once it comes to fruition, you realize that uh, it's, you know, this once good sign actually turned horrible, but the seer never lied. It was almost like one of those things right. where, you know, if you tell someone, if you don't invade this other country, that other country will take over the world. And it's like, okay, well, then I'm going to invade him. Well, that doesn't mean you're going to take over the world. That doesn't mean you're going to win the war. That means maybe someone else will now. <laughs> it's, it's almost like yeah. a vague prophecy and nothing good can come of it. But we love hearing the good stuff. Right. So I like yeah. the idea of keeping it vague for sure. What you could do is you could kind of combine this with a way to bring the party together where um, maybe this sort of vision or, or uh, you know, prophetic sort of scene uh, includes um, like certain sort of uh, images of like there's a uh, a wooden sign with a rooster on it and a muddy street and a uh, a like an inn with a green roof or something like that. And the session sort of starts in a town and the PCs sort of uh, arrive and they find, you know, a, a wooden sign with a rooster and a muddy street mm. and green, uh, a green roof. And they're all sort of brought together with mm. this vision. And now you have, you know, you have this vision that is sort of setting up potentially the consequences later on in the campaign, but you're also using it as a way to bring everyone together and create a sort of an air of mystery. And like, what did it mean? Why, why have we all yeah. seen this thing? And why have we all been drawn here together? Right. It's almost like the, uh, that scene in the boondock saints. It's almost like an introduction. It's an in- introduction to the story when both brothers have the same dream that they mm. should kill evil people. And they wake yeah. up at the same time and, you know, water's dripping on their forehead and stuff. It's, it's uh, using a vision to bring a, a group together might seem like it's a little too cliche or a little, a little basic. But I, in my opinion, every day, nine, 10 times out of 10, it beats boring. Let's pretend that we don't know each other and introduce yeah. ourselves. Like, come on, like a vision is a really cool way to, to create something <clears throat> new off of something that's, you know, been used. Mm-hmm. Yeah, totally. And you can even add to that a bit, even by by maybe when they come out of this this fevered state, they actually have something tangible in their hand that was, oh, you know, yeah. that was in the dream, you know, that kind of thing. You can have. That oh, I love that, man! I um, love the little mystic mystical symbols. Yeah. Yeah. Well, uh, if you guys don't have anything to add, I think we could put a cap on introductions. I think we can. I think we can like have it. an outro to this intro. Oh. What you've just listened to has been produced by Roll Up and Die and is copyright 2017. How official. The games, films, TV shows, and other stuff we talked about during this episode are the properties of their respective owners, so be sure to borrow nicely, okay? Any snippet, portion, clip, or other synonym for part of this show can absolutely be used in other media so long as credit is given to the Roll Up and Die podcast. You can find all three of the primary hosts on YouTube and other websites. Matt can be found at youtube.com slash a fistful of dice. Barker can be found at youtube.com slash be a better game master. And both of their work can be found at www.absolutetabletop.com. Captain Gothnog is also on YouTube at youtube.com slash Captain Gothnog. And his work can be found on Drive Through RPG under Critical Hit Publishing. 
Be sure to keep track of us on iTunes at rollupanddie.podbean.com or on our Facebook page at facebook.com slash rollupanddie. Have a fantastic day, everybody, and as always, happy gaming.